United We Stand, Divided We Fall is a popular motto used to inspire unity and collaboration. The Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, meaning out of many one, appears on the great seal of the United States of America, reminding us that we are a unified coalition of people and states. In 1858, Abraham Lincoln delivered the House Divided speech at the Illinois State Capitol after he accepted the Republican Party's nomination for United States Senator. He famously quoted Jesus who said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Are you a uniter or a divider? Ancient Israel might have benefited from a motto like, united we stand. First Kings records the time when Israel fell into civil war and was divided into two kingdoms. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus. But in his old age, he made some foolish choices. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks so much for stopping by. Well, coming up next, Ron takes us to the book of 1 Kings and to some of the poor decisions that led to Israel becoming a nation divided. Stay with us here, or you can visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, First Kings, United or Divided. After Solomon died, the kingdom spiraled into civil war under the failed leadership of Rehoboam who was Solomon's son. He, he assumed the throne and one kingdom became two. Chapters 12 to 22 begins the era of the divided monarchy with a series of kings and you get into this through second kings and on a series of kings who reigned separately over the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Remember the northern kingdom? going forward is called Israel, the southern kingdom referred to as Judah. There were 19 kings in the northern kingdom, 20 kings in the southern kingdom over a span of about 400 years. And during that time, the king who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord was a rare commodity. I don't think there was anybody in the northern kingdom for whom it was said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. One or two for a period of time, Josiah being a, you know, a bright spot in the southern kingdom. But Solomon's sin led to a divided kingdom from which you could argue Israel has never recovered. Never recovered. Solomon levied heavy taxes upon the people to help pay for his extravagancies. And this led to a tax revolt right after the king's death. Rehoboam tried to hold things together, but he got some bad advice and he ruled harshly. And that led to 10 of the tribes forming the northern kingdom. Uh, they denounced their allegiance to David's house and they made a guy named Jeroboam their king. Yeah, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Boom, 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 you know? You got all these king's names, you got to follow them. But Jeroboam became the first king of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam was an evil king. It says in chapter 22 and verse 20, 42 that he made Israel sin. And he did. 
Here's what he did. Uh, he, he realized he was in competition with, uh, with Jerusalem and the southern kingdom, and he kind of reasoned in his own mind, you know, um, the people are going to travel to Jerusalem for the festivals and for the holidays and to worship at the temple. The temple is, you know, beautiful, it's dazzling, it's uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I need to give them some places up here to worship. And so he built two new centers of worship in Dan and Bethel, each with a golden calf. And he introduced pagan idolatrous worship in the northern kingdom. And it just went downhill from there. Jeroboam also instituted a feast in the same month as the Feast of Tabernacles. Hey, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. That's a long journey down there. Now worship at these temples that I've built for you up here. And here's a little golden calf up there. You know, the gold, kind of like the gold down there in the temple. And, and, and don't go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. We've got a feast right here. And we've got our own priests, not from the order of the Levites. I mean, Jeroboam did all of this. For 22 years he reigned in the northern kingdom. And the epitaph on his grave is that Jeroboam made Israel sin. In fact, no king in the northern kingdom ever led spiritual reforms that brought Israel back to God. It's a sad story of the northern kingdom. But during that time, the word of the Lord came through prophets, uh, starting with a guy named Elijah. Elijah, along with uh, Solomon, is, is a giant of a figure in the book of 1 Kings, and he bursts onto the scene in the northern kingdom by predicting a drought in chapter 17. When we first learn of Elijah, he's standing in the presence of a king named Ahab, a wicked, wicked king, only uh, outdone by his... Uh, <laughs> really, really wicked queen named Jezebel. Nobody names their daughter Jezebel, and there's a good reason for that, okay? She, she was just a nasty, wicked woman, and, and her husband Ahab was just as bad. But Elijah, our, our first introduction to him is in the presence of the king. He's speaking truth to power. We love that about Elijah, this courageous prophet God sent him to the northern kingdom, this wicked, perverse, idolatrous, you know, tribe of, or a confederation of tribes, and Elijah speaking truth to power. Chapter 18 records Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel. That's, that's worth reading, 1 Kings, in and of itself. Elijah, the lone prophet of God against 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's the showdown on Mount Carmel, and Elijah wins. And the God of Israel is, uh, is shown to be the, the one true God. But afterwards, in chapter 19, uh, Elijah, who was at the pinnacle of success, experienced victory on the mountaintop. He falls into the slough of despond, and he runs like a scared third grader away from Queen Jezebel, who threatened to kill him. And Elijah runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs. He ends up in a cave hiding about 100 miles away. And that's when the angel of the Lord finds him and says, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm all alone. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. And no, no, Elijah. Yeah, there, there, there's others like you, a remnant. 7,000 prophets, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I love how the angel of the Lord just kind of shepherds Elijah at this point. Tells him, go back to sleep. You need some rest, boy. It's been a hard day at the office, I mean, beating those uh, prophets of Baal and Asherah and the long running that you've done. You just need some rest. So Elijah rested. He wakes up. Angel sends him back to bed again. You need some more rest. 
Elijah gets up, uh, angel makes him some angel food cake, um, feeds him. Not exactly, but I just wanted to see if you're paying attention here. But it's a kind of idea. Feeds the guy, gives him some rest. Uh, Elijah was weary. He was burned out. He's on the edge of just, I mean, he's in the slew of despond and maybe not um, uh, medically diagnosed depression, but he's in a bad mental state. And he just, you know, sometimes, not always, but sometimes you just need some rest and some food and to come back to your issues when you're of a better sound mind. You need a good night's rest. And that's uh, chapter 19 and following. United we stand. Divided we fall. That's the theme of First Kings, and it was a sad day when Israel divided into two kingdoms. Later in Israel's history, the Jews dispersed after the time of Christ, dispersed to the four corners of the world. James writes to the diaspora, the dispersed body. And um, the Jews did not come back together as a nation, are you ready for this, until 1948. 1948, do the math there. United we stand, divided we fall, and the rift in the kingdom not until 1948 did the nation come back together and Jews keep moving back to the homeland. Not under a king, but under a prime minister. No king will reign again in Israel on the throne of a united kingdom until Jesus Messiah returns. All right? Just because the kingdom divided doesn't mean that God's plan and the covenant that he made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then the Davidic covenant doesn't mean that was nullified because of Israel's sin or a leader's sin or Solomon's sin. No, the plan moves forward. And there's coming a day when the kingdom will come back together. Now, now you've got your Bible prophecy hat on again, and it's at the end of the tribulation period following the rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. This time he comes not as uh, uh, the, uh, the Lamb of God who uh, dies upon a cross for our sins. Now he comes back the second time as the reigning king, and he sits on David's throne in Jerusalem. I believe that is a literal kingdom. And Revelation 20 tells us he'll reign for a thousand years. And believers in Christ who were raptured out of this world return with him to rule and reign. The government will be upon his shoulders, Isaiah 9 says. And there will be no end to his reign of peace and prosperity and wealth and honor and all of that pictured in the Davidic dynasty. Uh, the larger lesson, though, that we learn from 1 Kings is this. Write it down. Sin disrupts unity and divides people. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. 
While you're there, be sure to access the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions, which will help you grow your Christian faith. Again, the Something Good Digital Library at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio and free resources like the Something Good Digital Library only exist through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. And today, when you invest $50 or more in the media ministry of Something Good, we have a very special thank you gift to share with you. It's Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Print editions of both Volume 1 and Volume 2 are included in this offer. Request them today for your gift of $50 or more. When you order the print versions, you'll also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, First Kings, United or Divided. Let me say it again. Sin Sin disrupts unity, and it divides people. Yeah, united we stand, divided we fall. But sin disrupts unity, it divides people. God blames Solomon for his sin. Because you did not follow my commandments, and and you turned toward these idolatrous ways, Solomon, the kingdom will be ripped and torn from your son. The blame was at Solomon's feet because he did not keep himself well. Sin disrupts unity and divides people. I got to tell you, for decades I have witnessed this dynamic as a pastor in a local church. And whenever division erupts within a congregation, someone's sin is always at the root of the problem. Sometimes it's a leader's sin. Sometimes it's a faction of people in the church. Somebody's sin is always at the root of an eruption of division within the church, and it grieves the Holy Spirit and quenches the Holy Spirit. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. You you, you could almost say, I'm not adding to Scripture, but it's also true that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is unity. Because unity results when we yield to the Holy Spirit's guidance. When we grieve Him, when we quench Him, when we go our own way, when when, when there's sin in our lives, it grieves and quenches the Spirit of God, that sweet Holy Spirit that uh, brings harmony and unity to a body of believers. Therefore, we must guard our hearts. Solomon didn't. We must practice confession and repentance. Keep short accounts with God, all right? Quit blaming other people, all right? This person did this, this person did that. I'm offended by this, I'm offended by that. Listen, we need to be offended by what offends God, not by what somebody else said to us. Practice confession and repentance. Eagerly maintain 
unity. That's what uh, Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are one in Christ. If we're not one, then that is not of Christ. That is of the devil who divides, and he's good at that. So guard our hearts, practice confession and repentance, eagerly maintain unity. It takes work to do that. Walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And remember the words of King David, acting as a psalmist, who wrote in Psalm chapter 133 and verse 1. And, and this was when it was a united monarchy. David wasn't alive to see the, the rift in the kingdom. And David wrote these words, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is good and pleasant. I'm happy to say this is a good and pleasant time at this church. But be on your guard. Because our enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion and he loves to divide. Sin disrupts unity and it divides people. Our nation is more divided perhaps than ever. Brought on, arguably so, by some who don't have the best interest of the United States of America at heart. I could argue that. But we're also a sinful nation. If the Lord prescribed this for Israel, I'm going to tear the kingdom in half because of one leader's sin. What would he do to the United States of America if we don't get our act cleaned up? If we don't come before God in confession and repentance, and pray for his mercy. There's no guarantee the United States of America will remain so in history. Let's do our part as the people of God to get our own house in order, not, not to point fingers of blame at others, but to look in the mirror and say, God, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, and be one bright light in an otherwise dark world that is spiraling into division, okay? Take care of you, I'll take care of me. We'll take care of us in the body of Christ. And let's make sure that we work hard to maintain the unity of the Spirit within the walls of our own community of faith, because when the world looks in and sees the church dividing, it's a black eye. It's a black eye on the body of Christ. They just go, ah, what do I need your Jesus for? You guys can't even get along. No, it's good and pleasant, isn't it, when brothers and sisters dwell in unity, as we are today. Isn't that a good thing? Let's all commit ourselves to working hard to making sure the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, major on the major things, right? Let go of some of the minor things. If somebody's offended you, go to that person. Be a peacemaker. 
Not a peacekeeper, that's a passive person who brushes it under the rug. Peacemaker is intentional about making peace and maintaining and working hard to produce the unity of the Spirit. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Don't be a troublemaker who's stirring up division. Let's be a shining bright light, salt and light in this world that doesn't know what unity looks like, politically or otherwise. And let's learn from the lessons of uh, Old Testament history and not presume upon the Lord that our sin won't produce the same result to a divided kingdom. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, First Kings, United or Divided. And Ron joins me now. Ron, how can we explain the dichotomy that is Solomon's life? I mean, the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus, ultimately makes some foolish decisions later in life that, well, on the surface, seem inexplicable. How can we make sense of it? And how can his story offer some practical lessons for us today? Brian, I'm reminded of what Jesus said when asked why Moses offered certificates of divorce to the Israelites. He said, because of sin. He didn't elaborate on the specific sins, nor did he explain all the reasons why people divorce. There was no need to. The foundational reason upon which all the other reasons rest is simply this, sin. Now, I don't want to get too uh, heavily into the doctrine of sin, but let me say this, Brian. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We are born sinners, kind of like a new laptop computer that arrives with an operating system already corrupted by a virus. Only the virus in us is sin. That propensity in us to uh, disobey and break the holy commands of God. Now, Jesus died on the cross to pay the just penalty for our sin. And then he rose from the dead. Thus, the only way to heaven and into a right relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus did this for sinners like you and me and Solomon. Uh, His mercy, his kindness, his love for us, uh, Brian, is overwhelming. Now, let me quickly address your question directly. In Scripture, you see this sin problem played out many, many times, even with those we call heroes of the faith. Moses uh, was the humblest man on earth. But he was kept out of the promised land due to a moment of pride and disobedience. Abraham was a man of faith, but he demonstrated a total lack of faith on at least two occasions, most notably by conceiving a child through his handmaid, Hagar. David is known as a man after God's own heart, but he commits adultery and murder and covers it up for a season. And of course, Solomon, the wisest man in history other than Jesus, becomes a foolish old man who, in effect, ushered in an era of divided Israel that did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, Dichotomies? Uh, Yeah, they are. But all of us are a bit of a dichotomy, doing both good and evil. Uh, One of the things we can learn from this, Brian, one of many, I suppose, is that we can be used of God in a mighty way in spite of our past. And get this, Brian, in spite of the sin God knows we will commit later. Uh, There is, apart from Christ, no one righteous, not even one. And again, that's a testament to his grace and his mercy and his great love for us. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some encouraging thoughts about how the mercy of God triumphs over the sin of man. Well, Ron, as we wrap things up for the day, tell us what's in store for us next time as you move ahead in your current series. Yes, and thanks, Brian. Next up on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of 2 Kings. And there's a sobering lesson for all of us here. Now, as we know, all Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But 2 Kings is a portion of Israel's history from which entire nations could learn a valuable lesson. Simply put, we reap what we sow, Brian. Individuals do, nations do too. So as we continue looking at that period in Israel's history in which it becomes a divided kingdom that does evil in the eyes of the Lord, I'll offer a little insight as to what that might mean for us today. It all comes your way next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow in Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Kings, The Decline and Captivity of a Nation. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and our entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.